Astro. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Dave Say So podcast, where we bring you the latest sports topics and events. And we're back again talking about the NFL preseason, which just started last weekend. We all got our first look at some of the you know draft picks, quarterbacks as well. Most of the teams didn't really play their starters, at least a lot of the contenders. I mean, we saw some of the guys go in like rest, which we'll talk about later. But I was actually surprised that a lot of teams didn't play their starters in game one. I know some of the older quarterbacks like Rodgers weren't going to play week one, but <clears throat> it was surprising. For example, like the Falcons, a young team, didn't really play all their starters in week one. Not even their rookie, where at least B. John Robinson, who I was very interested in seeing. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was just kind of surprising to me that, yeah, that they weren't able to play. I'm assuming that we're going to see a lot more teams play starters for a lengthy of more time this coming up week. But who knows? You know, these coaches, they got all type of plans and stuff. I'm sure they're getting a lot, a lot of reps in training camp anyways, but we'll see. Today, just kind of evaluating all the, the quarterbacks. Well, not all of them, but pretty much majority of the first round guys and some of the other guys as well. Also getting into some beef in training camp. Once again, which is kind of old news, but, you know, we're going to tap into it anyways. So, starting first off with the three first three quarterbacks drafted this past year. We're talking Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, and Anthony Richardson. All of them play limited snaps. Two of them threw picks. And it was a lot of chaos in the offensive line. Big deal or no big deal from... Bryce, CJ, and Anthony Richardson's struggles in the first preseason game. This is a no big deal for me. Number one, it's their first game in the NFL ever. You have a lot of nerves. It's a lot of pressure. It's just like for my parents out there listening, you have kids, you expect your kids to mess up, especially when they're little in their infancy, right? They're going to do things that you're gonna consistently tell them not to do. They're gonna do it anyways, they're children. They're just now learning this thing called the world and earth. Same thing with these quarterbacks. It's their first experience out there, they're gonna struggle. Now, what was more alarming to me in these first two games and really is the whole preseason, CJ and Bryce's offensive line are really bad. Like really, really bad. And I'm hoping that we don't get another Justin Fields situations where both of these guys are pretty much going to be running for their lives the first couple years of their career. I mean, Bryce was probably the worst of all. He didn't have any time to evaluate the field in the pocket. Now, granted, the Jets defense is for real, but still, you have a guy who's already had doubters because of his height, who can't even get three seconds in the pocket. Now, he made some good throws. Some were inaccurate, but I feel like a lot of his game, in particular, the first preseason game, the reason why it didn't go as planned, or the reason why he struggled was solely on the offensive line. 
we've seen Bryce the last two seasons in the, in in, a, in college football with the clean pocket, and we know we can we know what he can do. We know what passes he can make, and he just didn't have enough time in the pocket to make those throws. Now, I do think that the offensive line will put an emphasis on being better this next upcoming game, so I don't think he'll be under pressure that much. But as a whole, if you're the Panthers, you really have to be careful with how you go by this because we've seen guys like Joe Burrow who still hasn't had a great offensive line and as a result has been dinged up. Been one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the NFL, if not the most sacked. We've seen guys like Andrew Luck deal with the same thing. And a lot of people say that he retired early because of it. So when you have a guy like Bryce, who's, I'm not going to say he's not athletic, but he doesn't use his legs to scramble outside the pocket and make extra plays. A lot of his athleticism comes from being able to shake guys inside the pocket and being able to move, move away from guys to make throws. In the NFL, you got guys there who are as quick as you. Mind you, Bryce is already 5'9", 5'10", so it's going to be harder for him. I still think he could be successful. A lot of people are reacting. You have a lot of people already saying, oh, see, I told you, da 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 Listen, it's one game. The Jets have one of the best pass rushes in the NFL. I'm not really so, I'm, I'm not really worried. Bryce is going to be good. I think this next game will really see his ability in the pocket because I do think their offensive line will be better. They will be better. I don't know who they play, but I, in practice, they're going to get in the film room, go out on the field, learn different languages, different pass coverages, and they'll be better. As for CJ, the same thing. CJ went up his first preseason game as against Belichick. Okay, like... It doesn't get any it doesn't get any worse than that, right? You have Belichick who's probably the greatest defensive coach ever. And that's who he has to go against in his first game at Belichick, by the way. He only played two series. He threw a bad pick, a really, really bad interception in his first series. Cause he had the guy, he had a he had the tight end on the check down and he decided he wanted to make a play. I think it was third down, it was third and long. He tried to make a play downfield to tank day to take deal, I believe. And then aired the pass. It wasn't even really particularly close. It was a bad interception. But same as Bryce. He didn't really have a clean pocket to really work with. I mean, his first pass of the game, he was under the rest. He had to try to scramble, which I do think I like how he's looking more to scramble way more than he did at Ohio State. Now, granted, Ohio State has a better old line or as far as college and they have an elite receiving court. But... I saw CJ really looking to scramble outside the pocket when pressure came. A lot of times CJ would likes to go into the Bryce mode where he doesn't really move in the pocket to scramble. He's moving in the pocket to make an extra throw, which is nothing wrong with that because CJ is very accurate as well. But he's more athletic than Bryce and he has more ability outside the pocket running than Bryce. So I would love to see him use that more. And pretty much the game against Georgia is what upped his stock and what made him a number one potential pick. So I like that Bryce was actually looking to scramble outside the pocket during that game. But it's the same thing with, with Bryce. Didn't have time, didn't have protection. And 
I know that Houston offensive line is not abysmal, but you have to put into consideration that there are they are going against the Patriots second and third string squads. And if you're an offensive line and you're struggling against the second string guys, you virtually have no chance versus the starters. And so again, I think they'll go into they'll go into practice this week and they'll be better. But that is something to watch out for. I'm not really so much worried about CJ's game. I know as the year goes by, he's gonna get better. You look at guys last year like Kenny Pickett, who struggled early in the season with a bad offensive line. And as the season progressed and progressed, he got better, better, and better. Even his preseason game he played this past week, even though he didn't play a whole lot of snaps, he looked really, really good. Even in training camps, he looked really, really good. So I'm not worried about the individual player. I'm more so worried about the environment, which has been a question mark for CJ in general. The Texans are in a, they're in an environment right now where losing and being trash is acceptable. And it's a bad, it's a bad place to be. Obviously, we saw the you know reports of what the owner said and, and everything, and when he was in the meeting and whatnot. A lot of even some of the Texans players, Texas former players, have came out and said that the organization is ran terribly. You got guys like Andre Johnson, who's some considered the best to come out the franchise, and he's coming out saying how poorly the organization is ran. So. It is going to be a question mark. Can CJ overcome this franchise? It'll be interesting moving forward. But I think the individual player itself, he'll be okay. As for Anthony Richardson, he had a lot of protection in the pocket. You know, he he played pretty well. First, inter- he had a first interception in his first drive, and he kind of airmailed the pass. But I, I will say this: he can throw. He might not have the best accuracy. But he can zip the ball really well. Even his interception, I was kind of like, that interception, that ball, it was a good ball. I mean, it wasn't accurate. He definitely elmered the pass. Um, was a bad pass. But just the rotation of the ball and how it looked, I'm like, man, that, that looked real good. He had a couple more throws down the, uh, down the field that were dropped. But perfect ball placement. And it looked really, really good. He definitely has arm strength, and he can throw the deep ball really well. well I'm not going to say really well, but he can throw the deep ball pretty exceptional. He's still going to have to work on his accuracy because, like I said, that interception, again, was a bad pass. wasn't really accurate. We're not really concerned about that, though. Preseason is their first go at it. Guy's going to make mistakes. Again, Anthony Richardson will be better. I still don't understand why people think he's going to be, you know, Cam Newton or Josh Allen out the gate. Because I think that Josh Allen, who's, yes, he has, <clears throat> excuse me, the same running abilities that Anthony Richardson has, but he's a, he was always a better passer. Always a better passer, and he still, to this day, has good accuracy. So, and then we also got to see his running ability as well. Didn't really run too much, as much as I really wanted him to, but I think Indianapolis is really trying to hold in on his passing ability. But it's going to be really important because... If we're expecting JT not to be there, then it's going to put a lot of pressure on him to make plays. So I would like to see him more design runs, you know, bootleg action, RPOs. Didn't really get to see that a whole lot with 
the first his first two series in the preseason game, which I mean is fine. Again, he's going up against another good defense in Buffalo who played their starters. So I would like to see a lot of more design runs and RPOs and moving forward. But as far as passing, he's what I thought he was. You know, he, could, he has arm strength. He has the potential to really be able to move the ball down the field with his arm. He throws the deep ball pretty accurate. Again, inside the lines, making reads. And that's another thing. A lot of his passes weren't really him scanning the field. The only one where he really had to scan the field and try to make a play is when he threw the interception. A lot of them was quick passes, screen plays, or, you know, play action plays where he just found an open guy quickly and got it to him, which is, I'm not, there's nothing bad. It's definitely good that he can read, you know, he read defenses quickly. But when you talk about the quarterback position, a lot of times you're not going to have those plays where you have the quick options, right? You're going to have to drop back, scan the field, really go through your progressions. And that's something we haven't seen Richardson do well up to this point yet. Not saying he won't be able to do that. Just saying right now, he, has, he, he hasn't shown us he can do that, right? You know, guys like CJ and Bryce, if you give them good protection, they can sit back there all day, orchestrate and get, get balls to the guys that they need to get them to. Anthony doesn't have that right now, which again, he's still young. He'll have the time to grow. And I just hope that this year isn't too much of a disaster for him that he doesn't really evolve as a player. But I think he'll definitely be good. Okay, moving on from the rookie guys. Now let's go into some of the veteran players. Russell Wilson. So, Broncos played the Arizona Coats. And they looked exactly how they looked last season. And if you're Sean Payton, you don't want to overreact, but you're coming off a week where you're talking a lot of trash about Nathaniel Hackett and the job he did and basically trying to say it was all on him and you come out the first preseason game playing by far the worst team in the NFL who are not even trying to win games. And you looked no better. You looked no better. You're struggling to get, you're struggling to move the ball versus the second string guys. Not even starters. There's no Buda Baker out there. Not even starters. And you're struggling to move the ball. Now they had a couple good moments. They converted a fourth down play and then they rushed through a touchdown to Jerry Judy. But they were on the field for four possessions, by far the most that any team played their starters. You're on, a, you're on the field for four possessions and you come up with seven points and you only score once. And you had to convert a fourth down to get those seven points. It's not looking too good. It's not looking too good. And again, going back to the offensive line, Russ has no time in the pocket. And because Russ has lost some of his athletic ability that he had while he was in Seattle, he's being sacked, a lot of inaccurate balls thrown, and he he's not he doesn't have time in the pocket. And in Seattle, he didn't really have a good offensive line either, but he was able to get away from that and be still be able to uplift his team because of his ability to scramble outside the pocket. We talked about earlier about Bryce Young. 
I think the immediate comp to Bryce Young is Russell Wilson, not only because they're around the same height, but because both in their prime, Russ never really looked to scramble a whole lot. He was elite at moving and maneuvering in the pocket to make throws. Yes, he had scramble ability, but it wasn't elite, but he was elite in maneuvering the pocket. Now, at the age that he is now, he doesn't have that same ability. So when pressure comes, what you see, him just falling down or him trying to make a pass and it's inaccurate or it's picked off. So, again, for Sean Payton, you, the pressure, you put this pressure on yourself. Because, correct me, y'all can correct me if I'm wrong, but nobody came in this season looking at the Broncos with expectations. We knew they were going to be a little better because they added a Hall of Fame coach and it was a situation where it was so bad last year that it just couldn't be that bad again for you. But now, when once you have your coach talking a bunch of junk about his replacement and on top of that you're playing that team this upcoming year now eyes are looking at you like okay y'all say y'all gonna be better show us and it couldn't got off to any bad of a start going up against the worst team in the NFL by far and you having to play your starters for four possessions and you're struggling to move the ball up and field, up the field. It's not looking too well. Sean Payton has always he's been a guy where he was in the NFC South and he was always the best coach in his division. Now you're in a division with Andy Reid. Even the Chargers coach. I'm not really a huge fan of his. I don't think he should really I don't think he's the man for that job, but they have Kellen Moore now. And I think Kellen Moore is really, really good. So, it's going to be interesting to see what the Broncos really look like. Again, I don't think they'll be any good this year. I had high hopes for them last year, and they didn't really do anything. And so, anytime you have, anytime the first preseason game, you have to play your starters for four possessions, and you only have seven points to show for it. It's never a good sign. Never a good sign. Moving on. Big D. Pause. Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott. Listen. We've heard a lot of quarterbacks this training camp and the interceptions in camp, right? I read an article that said that Baker Mayfield in his first two practices had seven interceptions. Dak Prescott threw three in one practice. And I've already seen a plethora of him throwing interceptions in training camp. And a lot of people say, oh, well, it's training camp. You know, nobody really cares about the picks. The offense is trying things that, you know, new things and trying things that they wouldn't do in the game, but still trying to test it out. And the defense is also way ahead of the you know, playbook and whatnot and languages are easier to read in defenses and, you know, it's it's nothing to really worry about. And some of that to the degree is true. However, two things. Guys who are coming in unproven, who we already have doubts about, like Baker Mayfield. Interceptions mean a lot, especially the amount you throw. If you throw seven interceptions and your first two 
training camp scrimmages, you cannot tell me that's not a big deal for a guy who's already turnover prone, who leads the league in interceptions since he's entered it, who's on his fourth team in two seasons. Yes, interceptions mean a lot, especially if he's thrown seven. And you look at a guy like Dak Prescott, who went on the podium and said, I will not lead the league in interceptions anymore. After coming off a year where you played 12 games and threw 15 interceptions. Let, that led the league. Yes, it's a big deal that you're still coming in and throwing picks. Jerry Jones, the first day of camp, told and talked to the media about how he expects and wants Dak Prescott to take care of the ball. Now, granted, the Cowboys have a top two, top three defense, in my opinion. I think they have the potential to be the best defense this year. I mean, the personnel works everywhere. You got Michael Parsons, who's arguably the best defensive player in the NFL. You got you got a cornerback in Trevon Diggs, who arguably is a top three cornerback. You got Stephon Gilmore ahead of him, who's won the defensive player of the year. You have talent everywhere defensively. But if you're Dak, you've already you already have a lot of pressure on you as it is being the quarterback and being a Dallas Cowboys quarterback. It's already a lot of pressure. But now, since you've fed into what the media has been talking about as far as your interceptions and you're putting this target on and this expectation of I'm not going to lead the intercept I'm not going to lead the league in interceptions I'm going to take care of the ball and you go out there and you do the complete opposite now some of the throws are not all on him but a lot of them are and even going back to his feud with Trayvon Diggs I know they tried to brush it off and act like it was nothing and act like, oh yeah, it's this healthy competition. And then Dak came out and said, you know, that that's how that that's one of my traits of being a leader. And I don't know what that man was talking about. Anyways, bro, go look at the Philadelphia Eagles training camp. I guarantee you, nobody on their defensive team would talk to Dak like Trayvon talked to Dak. For y'all that don't know what I'm talking about, there is a particular play where Dak Prescott, it was scrimmage in 11-on-11. I believe Dak Prescott, he, uh, he, he, he ran out of the pocket, maybe ran out of bounds or something. And Trayvon Diggs, who I'm guessing they were going back and forth for a while, and Trayvon Diggs told him, you're an effing bump. Multiple times, you're an effing bump, okay? And two things that are alarming to me. Number one, the fact that Dak had no rebuttal. It was no like, I'm in your face and we talking, we going back and forth and we both saying stuff. It was Trayvon just yelling, you're an effing bum and Dak just act like nothing happened. Now I'm not a violent person, but I'm sorry. As a grown man, there's just things you can't say to me that I won't respond back to or that I'm not going to just allow you to say and as a quarterback of the franchise you cannot take that and that goes back to my point about you know Jalen Hurts you don't see anybody on Kansas City talking like that in Patrick Mahomes you don't see anybody on the Jets talking like that to Aaron Rodgers 
You don't see anybody on the Jaguars saying that to Trevor Lawrence. I can go through all the teams in the league. Nobody's saying that to their number one quarterback or their franchise guy. And so what that tells me is, and again, they try to go out and, and after practice and say, oh, it, you know, that's just competition. He's my brother and da, 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 da. The fact of the matter is, listen, I've been in enough locker rooms. I never played football, but I've been in athletic locker rooms. I've been on organized teams, and I know how the gist of thing goes. If you really think that Trayvon Diggs really doesn't have a problem with Dak, you're mistaking yourself. Look at his reactions when he picks off Dak. He's all celebratory. He's all showboating this. Da 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 da. Like. He's trying to show him up. And I don't care what anybody says. If I have respect for a certain person, I would and I would never call him an effing bum. I've had guys who I've teammates, whether or just acquaintances who played the same sport I did. And we have back and forths, but it's competitive back and forths. We're not bringing each other down. But we're competing. It never gets personal. It's never where we have we're, we're getting to a fight and we swinging. It's healthy competition. We going back and forth with each other, and you know, you when you have two competitors that butt heads, both of them are not gonna back down. But with Dak and and Trevon, if he called if he's calling him an effing bum, that's a personal shot. And if you're taking a personal shot at someone, that means you have no respect for that individual. There's no way Trayvon Diggs can come out and say, I have respect for Dak after calling him an effing bum. A bum? Those words aren't used lightly. And so when I see that and I see him reacting to how after he picks Dak off, I can just imagine what things are said in the locker room like, man, this dude Dak can't take care of the ball. This dude Dak, this and this and this and this. Now, I'm not going to sit up here and say Dak is losing the locker room. I do think that they have, they still have a certain amount of confidence in Dak. But what that tells me is this. Clearly, there are some players who are tired of Dak. Clearly, Jerry Jones is tired of Dak's inability to not be able to, to take care of the football. And Dak has put, already put more pressure on himself. That's already that's unnecessary. It's going to be a tough year. And it is a big year for Dallas. Because if you're Dallas, right now you have a Super Bowl roster. And to go back to the question, yes, this is a big deal for Dak and the Cowboys. Huge deal. Because... And I've always used this analogy. And a lot of people, every time I say this, are like, whoa, that's kind of too far. But I've always said this. Dak Prescott and Ben Simmons, to me, are in the same category as players. But not to the same degree. Dak Prescott hasn't gotten better at anything since he's gotten into the NFL. He hasn't gotten better at passing the football, reading coverages, taking care of the ball. He hasn't gotten better at that. It's the same with Ben Simmons. Now, reasonings for that may be different, 
because I don't really think Ben Simmons loves the game of basketball like that. I just don't, and I don't think he's good at all. With Dak, I know I can't sit up here and say Dak doesn't put in the work because I know he does, but I just doesn't. I don't think this is as good. What Dak is right now is as good as what he'll ever be. I don't think it'll be improvement from here. But in a sense, they're in the same position. Both players have been in the NFL. Both players have been in their present in their profession for a good amount of time, and there's no improvement. So, going into this year, you have a Super Bowl roster if you're Dallas. You got majority of your team locked up long term. Michael Parsons is due, due for a deal. You got Trayvon Diggs locked up. CD, I'm sure, will be paid. So you're going to have this roster for at least two more seasons as constructed right now. Anything that's not to the Super Bowl is a failure for Dallas. It is Super Bowl or bust. And when I say Super Bowl or bust, I don't mean win the Super Bowl or bust. I mean at least get there. They're the third best team in their conference. It's not like they don't have a chance. And if you're Dak, everything lies on you. Because Dallas has given you everything you need. You have a good offensive line, an elite defense, a good enough run game to lean on at times, and you have a great receiving core. At some point, you got to come and deliver. You got to come and deliver. And I'm not... I've never been the guy who's seen Dallas in the regular season like, oh, man, here come them boys, man. They looking. No, you got to show me in the postseason. You got to show me. You got to show me. Because the last two seasons, you went home in round two. So now you got to show us. We don't care about what you did in the, what you do in the regular season. Show us in the postseason. Everything lies on Dak's shoulders. And if he doesn't pull through, it's going to be a spooky summer for him and the Cowboys. Dave Osseso Podcast will be here all week. Thanks for tuning in. Peace out.